WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. Download that free local news app today. Oakland County prosecutors have started laying out their case against Jennifer Crumbly, the mother of convicted Oxford High School shooter Ethan Crumbly. Prosecutors say the Crumblies not only purchased the handgun used in the shooting that killed four, but they met with Oxford High School officials about their son Ethan's concerning behavior the morning of the shootings. They also declined to take their son home. Defense attorney Shannon Smith said today jurors will eventually hear from Jennifer Crumbly herself in the trial. She is going to take the stand and tell you about her life with her son and about the day he did something she could have never anticipated or predicted. Although they are being tried separately, Jennifer and James Crumbly are both charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter and face up to 15 years in prison if convicted. Ethan has already been sentenced to life without parole. With the temperatures warmer and rain now falling, the snow that southwest Michigan got in the past couple of weeks is melting, and some areas are experiencing flooding. The Berrien County Road Department Friday closed Glean Buchanan Road between Boyle Lake Road and Wells Road due to water, while in Van Buren County, part of 44th Avenue and Waverly Township near Paw Paw was closed for the same reason. Van Buren County Road Commission Managing Director Brett Witkowski reminds all drivers not to go plowing through flooded roads. Especially in the country roads where it happens. And be cautious. I came down right around Iowa today in Hartford and there's standing water on the side of the road just enough where if you got tires that are not in best shape, you could go skidding pretty fast off. And the biggest thing is if you see a sign out there like we've got up around Pawpaw, we've got a road close because of water over the road. There's a reason why there's a sign there. We're not doing it to make people's lives difficult. We're not doing it to delay your ability to go to an appointment or something. It's because you shouldn't be going through Wikowski says it doesn't take much water on the road to stop many vehicles. If the road looks flooded, don't assume it's only a couple of inches of water. Anyone who sees a flooded road should let their road agency know. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners has gotten an update on progress with the Red Arrow Highway Linear Trail. The project to build a roadside trail up Red Arrow Highway all the way from the Indiana state line to Bridgman has been in the works for nearly 10 years. Speaking to the Board of Commissioners this week, Berrien County Road Department Director Mark Heiliger said more work will be done this year. This year's planned construction, so US-12 to Community Hall is on the project list for this year, as well as Berrien Street to Lakeshore Road. However, we are still waiting for the approval of a TAP grant, which is linked to this project. The Southwest Michigan Planning Commission's Marcy Hamilton told commissioners that MDOT has been working with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources to plan for the trail to cut through Warren Dunes State Park up to Floral Lane near Bridgman in future years. After that, the trail would have to return to the side of Red Arrow Highway on into the city. And then we'll be working with them to secure funding to build it in the coming years and hopefully get us all the way up to Bridgman. And Bridgman is talking about sending that trail through town and their plans locally, too. Hamilton says the Red Arrow Highway Linear Trail will connect to the Marquette Greenway, a trail from Chicago to New Buffalo. It could also eventually connect to other major trail systems like the Calhaven Trail. Heidegger said as the trail expands, additional portions of Red Arrow Highway could be put on a road diet, taking it from four lanes to three lanes to improve safety. Today is the 187th birthday of Michigan. Governor Gretchen Whitmer drew attention to the date on social media. Happy birthday, Michigan. We're looking pretty good for 187. Our state has been the birthplace of so much innovation and culture, and it's all thanks to you, the people who call this great place home. Our spectacular peninsulas, our great lakes, and our spirit of grit have helped us make history. 
Michigan was admitted to the Union on January 26, 1837 as the 26th state. Michigan's first governor was Stephen T. Mason, a Democrat. He was initially elected as a territorial governor at just the age of 23 in 1835. He served until 1840. There's a lot happening lately at Berrien County Animal Control. Speaking to colleagues this week, Berrien County Commissioner Jim Curran said the administration committee was recently briefed by shelter manager Ashley Herr. She's been working on a survey being sent to local governments throughout the county to learn how animal control can better serve them. She is sending out to all the municipalities in the county, and it basically says how important are animal services such as low-cost spay-neuter, low-cost vaccination clinics, or a pet food pantry to your community. Other questions that deal with the services of the animal control to the communities and how they take advantage of those services. County Administrator Brian DeSette said animal control is also meeting this week with MSU Extension to arrange for a mobile space spaying and neutering clinic to come to the area. He said the goal is to get more visits than MSU was originally intending. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners has honored the University of Michigan's football team for winning the national championship this year. At this week's meeting, the board approved an honorary resolution not only saluting the Wolverines for the big win, but also focusing on a local connection. Commissioner Dave Volrath read that number 36, Kishon Harris, is from Berrien County. Harris was born in St. Joseph and is the grandson of Benton Harbor's Steve Archibald. Volrath read on. Whereas it is appropriate to acknowledge the well-deserved pride of this local family and the achievements of this 2023-2024 U of M season, now therefore be it resolved that the Berrien County Board of Commissioners congratulates and honors Keyshawn Harris, Coach Jim Harbaugh, and the University of Michigan Wolverines football team for their outstanding season and bringing the national championship home to our great state. Go Blue! Go Blue! The resolution noted Harris was a 2019 walk-on for the Wolverines. During the 2023 season, he had six solo tackles, five assists, and a one-and-a-half tackles for a loss. His grandfather, Steve Archibald, accepted the resolution on behalf of the family at this week's meeting. Archibald said when his grandson was a baby, he bought the baby a U of M onesie, while another loved one bought him a MSU onesie. Eventually, Harris went with blue. And the Michigan Department of Natural Resources is inviting everyone to help remove invasive plants at Warren Dune State Park next weekend. The next Volunteer Steward Day will be Saturday, February 3rd from 10 a.m. to noon. Volunteers are welcome to help protect the critical dunes from invasives like privet, barberry, and non-native honeysuckle. No experience is needed, and the volunteers will be trained to spot the invasive plants. Those who take part are reminded to dress appropriately and to bring gloves. The volunteers will meet near the main park entrance, and anyone can RSVP via email. We'll have the address on our website. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues. The International Court of Justice today has demanded that Israel take steps to prevent acts considered to be genocidal against Palestinians, but... It stopped short of ordering an immediate halt of military operations in Gaza, affirming Israel's rights to defend itself. ABC's Matt Gutman has more from Tel Aviv with the Israeli response. My understanding is from officials that we've been talking to, they are going to have to comply, and they believe that to some degree they are complying, that they have been allowing aid into Gaza. They might try to speed up um, and make that effort more efficient in the future, um, but they do feel like this is something they cannot ignore this time. They are going to have to address the court. And the biggest question is what happens in a month or so when Israel has to come back to the court with some sort of report on the efforts it's making to limit the efforts uh, of the purported genocide. 
A jury has been deliberating today in the defamation trial against former President Donald Trump, deciding how much he owes writer E. Jean Carroll after a jury last year concluded he sexually abused her in 1996. The jury says that Trump owes E. Jean Carroll nearly $100 million. It just returned its verdict. The jury began its work today after closing arguments punctuated by Trump's dramatic exit from the courtroom as one of Carroll's lawyers spoke. He later returned as his lawyer defended him and remained until deliberations began. The State Department is temporarily pausing new funding for the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestinian refugees in the Near East. That comes after the department continues to review allegations that 12 employees were involved in the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel. More from ABC's Ike Giochi. The allegations first came to light late Wednesday when Israel presented a dossier of the accusations to the UN Relief and Works Agency. Secretary of State Antony Blinken telling the UN Secretary General that the investigation into the allegations must be swift and thorough. Agency officials say several staff members have already been fired and that any employee involved in acts of terror will be held accountable, including through criminal prosecution. Ike ABC News, Washington. House Speaker Mike Johnson is taking a strong stand against the bipartisan Senate deal to pair border enforcement measures with aid for Ukraine. He sent a letter to colleagues that supported an effort by hardline conservatives following the lead of Donald Trump to kill the compromise on border and immigration policy. Trump does not want a border security bill to pass because he's running on the issue. Johnson, a Louisiana Republican, says the legislation would, quote, be dead on arrival in the House if leaked reports about the legislation are true. Text of the bill has not been publicly released. The diminishing prospects for a deal leave congressional leaders with no clear way to approve a $110 billion White House request for emergency funding for Ukraine, Israel, immigration enforcement, and other national security needs. The Biden administration has announced a pause in applications for natural gas export terminals to consider their impact on climate change. More from ABC's Karen Travers. Climate advocacy groups are hailing this as a big win, a major step by the U.S., the world's largest exporter of natural gas. The Department of Energy is launching a review to determine how to factor in the impact of climate change when improving new natural gas export facilities, but will not halt current natural gas exports. This will be the first time the federal government has considered blocking this kind of project because it would contribute to climate change. The president said in a statement this pause on new approval sees the climate crisis for, quote, what it is, the existential threat of our time. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. Georgia's state Senate is creating a special committee to investigate Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. The panel was approved today on a 30 to 19 vote. Republican senators say the panel's needed to determine whether the Democratic District Attorney misspent state tax money in her prosecution of former President Donald Trump and others. The committee cannot directly sanction Willis. Democrats denounce it as a partisan attempt to try to play to Trump and his supporters. Trump has joined an effort to have Willis, special prosecutor Nathan Wade, and their offices thrown off the case. A lawyer for defendant Michael Roman accuses Willis of having inappropriate romantic relationships with Wade that resulted in a conflict of interest. Add nitrogen hypoxia to the methods used to carry out the death sentence in the U.S. ABC's Jim Ryan says that method of capital punishment had its trial run last night in Alabama. Witnesses to the execution say Kenneth Eugene Smith lurched back and forth for several minutes in apparent pain as the oxygen in his face mask was replaced by nitrogen. Still, Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall declared Smith's execution a success. And once more, Mississippi and Oklahoma have chosen... Uh, this is an appropriate method, and I do believe, based on feedback I've received, that other states will follow suit. Death penalty states have been struggling to find lethal injection drugs as pharmaceutical companies have refused to provide them. Jim Ryan, ABC News. 
Yemen's Houthi rebels have launched a missile at a U.S. warship patrolling the Gulf of Aden, forcing it to shoot down the projectile. The attack today on the USS Kearney marks the latest by, by the rebels amid their campaign against ships traveling through the Red Sea and surrounding waters. Those assaults have disrupted global trade amid Air, Israel's war on Hamas in the Gaza Strip. The U.S. military central command said no one was hurt in the attack, nor was the Kearney damaged. A Houthi military spokesperson did not acknowledge the Kearney attack, but did claim a missile attack on a commercial vessel that set it ablaze. And the push to reduce plastic bag use may be having the opposite effect, at least in one state. More if maybe she's Derek Dennis. With states cracking down on plastic pollution and enacting laws to reduce or eliminate plastic bag use, you may wonder, is it working? New Jersey instituted a single-use plastic bag ban in 2022, but MarketResearch.com reports while the ban led to a 60% decrease in total bag volume, consumers switched to reusable plastic bags. The result, according to researchers, plastic consumption has tripled because many reusable bags are a non-woven polypropylene, a form of plastic which is not widely recyclable. Derek Dennis, ABC News.